Hardware is a killer robot movie set in a bleak and grimy cyberpunk future. Today we'll talk about the film's low budget charm, practical effects and extensive world building, which it achieves despite being mostly set in a single apartment. Welcome everyone to the Atomic Cinema Experiment, I am Peter and joining me as always is Tara. Greetings, citizens. That's very quiet. Hello. <laughs> Greetings, citizens. Uh, okay, all right. That was the opposite. <laughs> oh dear. Uh, this is a science fiction movie podcast. We get together and we talk about sci-fi movies. That's simple. Uh, we're still in ninety season. We're we're drawing towards the end of the the movies in ninety season. Obviously, we're not going to do our top twenty-five ninety sci-fi movies until the end of the year, uh, around New Year's kind of time. But uh, the movie we're doing today is Hardware from 1990, which is a movie I saw probably about a decade or so ago and remembered being interesting. So I put it on the list because it was one that I needed to revisit before we could... And Tara hadn't seen it, so it was like a perfect... Yeah, let's do this. And... uh, Hadn't even heard of it. Yeah, so... Which is cool. Uh, So... Yeah, it's 1990, it's set in a sort of dystopia, slightly post-apocalyptic world. Radiation's kind of bad in a a lot of parts of the world. Uh, it sounds like there's a constant war going on somewhere in what they refer to as the zone. Um, but it's very cyberpunk, uh, I guess, is the other thing. There's a lot of, like, sort of old future retro but new technology, you know, that kind of thing. And uh, stars Jill. Uh, well, that's the character, isn't a star, but uh, Jill's kind of, like, our main character who lives in an apartment, and she's kind of like a sculptor who makes, like, art out of, like, old tech and things like that. Uh, and then her kind of on-again, off-again boyfriend, uh, Moses, played by Dylan McDermott, uh, kind of arrives back from fighting in the zone uh, for just in time for Christmas. It's technically a Christmas movie, although you never really see anything that makes you feel like Christmas. It's just, they just mention that it's Christmas. I think I think we see a menorah at one point. Oh, okay. Um, I think there's a commercial on TV uh, for... With reindeer puppets, or n- costumes, yeah. It was, well, it was reindeer uh, meat popsicles... Uh, which are radiation free, <laughs> which you can get for the Christmas season. Uh, so that stuck out to me. Uh, but the the plot of it though Probably is that uh, Moses ends up from a from a drifter ends up buying like a scrap uh, robot or cyborg, which this this drifter has found out in the the the, the wasteland desert. Kind of, it's a very Mad Max style opening where this guy with the hat is walking through and finds this robot in the sand. And he takes it to uh, Jill because she likes making stuff out of, like, parts and things. But this robot, of course, is going to wake up and maybe be dangerous. Uh, so it's that type of movie. So uh, we'll get into it. We'll start spoiler-free, of course, as we always do. We'll give you a warning before we get into spoilers. But I shall simply begin with the question, Tara, what did you make of Hardware? I liked it. I liked the movie. Uh, I wasn't sure at first, actually, because I thought it was, um, there's a lot of stuff that was shot very, not confusingly, but like, uh, harshly. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it was like literally kind of difficult to watch. But then there are some other shots where I'm like, this is really shot beautifully. <laughs> like, it looks really good. It's very and... well directed for sure. Like, that's the thing. It's obviously a very low budget, relatively low budget movie from 1990. Mm-hmm. And, uh, but it like... Anyway, it's mostly set in this apartment and like the you know the, the landing and maybe the staircase of the apartment building there's not a lot of locations after the first 10 minutes but it always 
like feels like an interesting world to be in i guess is what i would say yeah and um i think there's a lot you can glean out of this as far as the post-apocalyptic future and what what it's trying to say about modern day america and stuff like that but um a lot of, there seems to be a lot of a lot of biblical stuff that i just didn't follow as well like a lot of it <laughs> but i'm sure there's more to it than i was able to glean myself yeah, I, I don't I'm think that's a, a lens person, but... we're going to look through it as because we neither one of us are going to catch the the more biblical like references. Mm-hmm. But yeah, there's like a quote for the start from like Mark thirteen or something. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's about like the um, you know the stuff about plagues and yeah. you know but shit like that. <laughs> I, I I didn't uh, feel lacking though. I, I didn't feel the movie was lacking in its meaning just because I didn't get that side of it though. I feel I'm sure that enhances it if you know that shit. But uh, like the, you know, I I felt like it was hinting at this larger world. It was saying a lot about humans and like kind of like where we're heading as a as a as a as a race as a as a people. And it's a planet. Yeah, yeah, and you know, it's all pretty doom and gloom and not so hot. Uh, so yeah, it's a pretty dour look in the future. Hot. What's that? It's a very hot future. Very hot, yes, yes. Uh, heat wave is continuing. Uh, rains like a once in a blue moon luxury, <laughs> apparently. Uh, radiation's up all over the place. There's people being born, uh, you know, slightly off because their parents have been exposed to too much radiation. So there's uh, uh, mutations and things like that. You don't see a lot of it. I mean, all you really see in the movie is a couple of people who are too short. You know, there's like a sort of little person playing a character at one point. And it's implied that this has happened because uh, of radiation. But there's kind of an implication of the larger world having more extreme things and stuff like that. So it does a lot to stoke your imagination and what the rest of the world is. Which I think any low-budget movie, if it can capture that feeling, mm-hmm. uh, it's good. Uh, I, I got pretty excited when I, when I thought this movie was turning into a, a new version of Demon Seed. <laughs> it doesn't quite go down that route no it's just more it gets pretty close though yeah obviously there's yeah there's like a, an ai in, in the house as it were but there's you know so it's a bit more kind of terminatory i guess uh it's almost like if you tried to set terminator in just like one apartment <laughs> that's that's the yeah. pitch because it's not a super original like the, 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 you can sort of see a lot of what it's taking from elsewhere there's a bit of terminator in here there's a bit of alien uh, she's kind of a Ripley-esque character as Jill. Um, you know, there's definitely parts taken from other big movies, but it does kind of feel like it's got its own identity by the end, which is which is nice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, I like the movie. I I, I, I don't like the soundtrack very much. I, I found the soundtrack to be a bit too much. It seems uh, to be a movie that has a lot of like musicians in it as well. <laughs> There's a couple of cameos. Um, I actually, I do like one of the songs. There's one song that plays that I quite like. The rest of it was just kind of general rock music that I wasn't super into. Well, it's not just this, it's not just that, but it's also the, the, the score. I thought the score was a bit much sometimes. I liked it more in the later parts of the film, but um, hmm. in the beginning, I thought this is not, I'm not getting into it because I'm just, I'm sort of being like, this music's just too much. Um, I don't know if I remember feeling that way. Uh, there's the song that plays at the start of the end credits, which also plays, uh, I think, during the love scene earlier on, that I think is actually kind of unique sounding and kind of feels like it fits this world that we're watching. Um, but then, you know, when Motorhead starts playing, this is kind of like, all right, okay, whatever. Uh, 
But I, I have to imagine that this film maybe helped get funding because it was, you know, working. It was a music video. Yeah, yeah we're working with these musicians because, you know, Lemmy's got a cameo when the Motorhead song plays and uh, stuff like that. And you got Iggy Pop is kind of like the uh, the disc jockey who's like on the radio talking about the world and he's kind of very upbeat about the fact that the world's going to shit and like, you know, promoting uh, going to war and, and, you know, all sorts of stuff. So... There's, there's all that stuff. Yeah, I like the movie. I think uh, I, I remember liking it when I first saw it. And I didn't really remember a whole lot about where it went other than, you know, boyfriend brings, like, the defunct robot back to girlfriend's, like, place. Um, I didn't really remember, like, a back, the back half of the movie a lot, that much. And I was wondering, like, is that because, like, I like the, the feel of it and the style, but maybe it was not all their plot? And it's not an original plot, but I was happy when I watched it this time. And I was like, no, no, I'm actually quite into, like, this, you know fight for survival and kind of the 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 just, just the way it's unfolding but uh i think the big star of it though is just the feel of it and how everything looks and like this like you know very cyberpunk grimy all these old computer keyboards and like monitors and uh everything feels just kind of gone to shit there's kind of a critique of the world and overpopulation is a theme um like sort of just how bad recreational drug use has got to the point where you know like the character of shades in this at one point is just like he's uh, we don't even know what he's taking but he's on something like he's he's mm-hmm. he, he's out of it on something um so there's just there's what all this what are you gonna do in, in the apocalyptic desert <laughs> and well they're not in the desert though they're in like the, the the urban part this is more like the mega city one of the worlds that they're in yeah everything is just you know, too hot that's what I meant but yeah um yeah yeah I, did you get vibes of like okay so i i just watched the first terrifier and i've seen yeah. obviously i saw terrifier 2 and i know you just watched terrifier 2 the the kind of style that uh is it date damien leon is going for kind of felt like this a little bit oh i can me. i can see it yeah uh, i don't know if it's specifically this sort of thing that's insp- i mean that wouldn't surprise me if you've seen this and it, likes it, it might just be a time period yeah. or that punk feel to it or something but i don't know I, I was just getting like the same kind of vibe and i like that vibe oh it's a good, it's vibe. A good vibe uh <laughs> for sure I, I, I love this vibe but this is uh i mean this is a 1990 movie so obviously it's 90s season but this is obviously it feels pretty 80s still yeah it's that's obviously something that was shot in 89 or thereabouts and is right on the turn of the decade so you always get a little bit of crossover at that that turning point uh mm-hmm. and i think this is and an it, example of it's that it's not actually a american movie so it also has that feel of being uh i don't know just something a little bit off it's not quite the hollywood movie that you expect for the better that's probably why it feels good is because it feels yeah it, it's got that uh, i don't want to say like alien feel to it but because that conjures a different image, but like it, it feels like it's uh, not like independent, but it's like when you watch a, a Bollywood movie or something, and like it, is, it looks like Hollywood, but something's off. <laughs> something's just different. I don't know why you went with Bollywood. You could just said European. Because <laughs> <laughs> um, Bollywood comes from a very specific diff- type of different, and I don't think that's what this is either. <laughs> this, uh, yeah, I know, I know, but like it's, it's going for. It's going for Hollywood, but there's something a little bit off. Okay, like a spaghetti western would be, you know? I feel like the examples you're picking are all too extreme, but I, I get what you're saying. <laughs> it's just a nudge of it. 
<laughs> just a smidge. Why don't you just bring up Fifth Element? We just did Fifth Element. That's a French movie, technically. Yeah. And that feels different because it's got a different art style and sort of style to it. But it... I was a bit negative on that. I don't want to... <laughs> I don't want to bring it up. But it's a better example for what you're saying here, I think. Well, you know what I mean. And that it's actually got American stars and things. And this also does... Like, it's two leads are both American. The other actors are... Some of them are doing American accents. Some of them aren't. But, you know... Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, because Shades isn't. I think Shades Irish. I want to say they had like a kind of. Uh, I'm not. I'm not great at those accents. So I don't know. Let me see. Northern Ireland, Ireland, close enough. Mm-hmm. That, that more or less counts. <laughs> it's all different, but they more or less counts. Uh, so no, so you you got like a uh, Dylan McDermott in the lead role, and you have got uh, Stacy Travis, who I've not heard of from anything else, playing Jill. Uh, in Shades is a guy named John Lynch. Um, Tara decided to give me some trivia before we start. I don't know why she told me this off the podcast to get, so that my reaction couldn't be here, but why don't you give me the trivia again for the audience? Yeah, so I read that initially the director wanted to get Bill Paxton to play the lead Moses and Jeffrey Combs to be Shades, but unfortunately there was some sort of uh, deal that Paxton had to do navy seals or something instead but he really wanted to do this movie and jeffrey combs couldn't do it because they had too many americans and it's a british company and they're like you know you already have two americans in the lead you can't have more than that (laughs) so he wasn't able to do it and i read that like it'd be like around the beginning of the movie i just started looking things up and i was just like the whole rest of the movie i was just like i i had to imagine what those roles would be like with those actors that I love so much. <laughs> that would have made this movie such a classic. Look, I can like I still like this movie a lot. I cannot deny that the combination of Bill Paxton and uh Jeffrey Combs. Jeffrey Combs, thank I was trying to remember his last name was it. Uh the the combination of those two wouldn't have like just added an extra special oh, layer to it. So amazing. Yeah. Because, you know, Dylan McDermott, I, I wouldn't describe as, you know, he's fine, I guess. <laughs> like, he's just kind of there. I, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. He's more of a rom-com guy. Do, 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 do you know what I do appreciate, though? Is I think if it was Bill Paxton, it would have maybe, like, it would have probably added a fun element to the movie because Bill Paxton's great. But I think part of this movie is that, like, it sort of pretends that he's going to be the main character, but it's really Jill who's the main character. And I think... He almost fits this movie that he's not that charismatic <laughs> because, like, it kind of naturally leads you into rooting for her more than him. Uh, I don't know. I like. I liked her though. Stacy Travis. I don't know. That's her name. Yeah. I liked her. She looks like Emma Stone to me, but um, I thought she was good. I couldn't help but wonder, like, if there, there's a reason we haven't heard of her, given who is producing the movie. <laughs> Well, go, go she on. ended up on a list. Well, well, this is a Harvey Weinstein pr- production, so, you know, maybe there's a reason she disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> never became a name. Um, I mean, that's... I mean, she worked. She still worked, but she wasn't, like, somebody we knew. Yeah, that's one of those sad things, though, is whenever I notice those Weinstein names popping up at the, you know, as producers on a movie, like, and you can't escape it, because, like, you know, a lot of Tarantino's movies, but almost all of them up until, you know, once upon a time in Hollywood, I think it's the only one that isn't technically. 
uh, have their names yeah. on them. You know, you see their names on the, the early Scream movies. You know, you, you can't escape them. They're, like, they're on a lot of big stuff. So, um, it's just, you know, it's a shame. It does, because there's, there's, so there's a character in this, actually, who's like, there's a creepy stalker, like, neighbor character who's spying on Jill a lot. Who likes uh, to watch who watches through a telescope and he's got a lot of really obscene dialogue and stuff like that um and i think separating it from the fact like i think obviously when you see weinstein's name attached to it like it's hard not to like connect the two and go oh it's that's funny they, they based a character on the the creepy producer that was involved um but removing like that side of it uh, uh, away i do think it's interesting because this character like he felt like the sort of shithead that you get on like 4chan or uh maybe on the the the, the worst the worst parts of subreddit you know like mm-hmm. this ultra sexist um entitled pervert character and the way he talks to jill the way he's got these fantasies that he wants to like and we'll get into all this and spoilers exactly what we're talking about yeah, here his dialogue is so Ugh. yeah it's like immediately he is like so over like he he reads like someone who responds on twitter with a dick pic like that's how mm-hmm. he reads uh when he's when he starts speaking um yeah and he's a uh, he's played by porkins <laughs> he has a different name yeah obviously but he's porkins from star wars i'm, I'm glad you said who that was because i don't know who porkins was what you don't know who porkins is no, who's porkins <laughs> in star wars he's a uh, red eight is it uh one of the fighter pilots that's practically a cameo. Like, I don't know who Porkins is. <laughs> they came from behind. <laughs> <laughs> um, I don't know who Porkins is. We can't be... He wants to do a lot of porking in this. <laughs> I can tell you Ayo. that. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I'm so... surprised he was even comfortable playing this character. <laughs> I mean, he's a, actors like to take those types of roles, though, don't they? they like to say, like, oh, I want to take the extreme role that I can really be an actor in. Ah, uh, yeah. He is a thespian. Because they, they always love playing, like, murderers and killers and stuff, because, oh, I'm, I'm going to, like, you know... Yeah, they get to go all out. Yeah, they get to really... They get to go big. Exactly, exactly. So I, I can see the appeal for why you maybe wanted to do this role. Um, and you'd hope it's that and not that he, like... He, like identifies with it too much she's like oh i can play this yeah 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 that's me <laughs> okay no i i think he has some other roles too that he's known for i can't think of any but like i was looking at them and he's got some some good stuff under his belt too sure sure uh uh i mean he's uh, i mean obviously he's the ultimate and in a, in a movie like this that kind of you know becomes semi you know horror as it goes on because you've got this you know killer robot um he's the ultimate like okay you've given us someone who we cannot wait to see be brutally murdered like that's that's what you're kind of that's what he's there for ultimately i think there's some larger thematic stuff that he's also there to represent i think the idea of rep like you know i'm joking about it, the movie seeing the future and given us this type of like online persona that you see and hear about on the internet but i do actually think that is an important part of the movie and that it's kind of like okay this is, is someone who, prophetic also yeah this is someone whose brain's been rotted by uh, like his view of women's been altered by the media he consumes you know whether that's like just you know nothing but porn or whatever but he's altered like how he looks at the world and he's become this creep as a result of it. i think that fits into everything else the movie's saying about the direction of humanity <laughs> because of like what we've allowed to happen or do or whatever so you yeah. know 
I do think there's more to it than just, you know, he's like the asshole who we're going to enjoy being killed. But it works as that as well. We're like, yay, kill the asshole, kill the asshole. <laughs> like, you know? Uh, so, you know, uh, it's a fun movie. Like, I think as long as you appreciate the low-budget quality of it and you're into kind of some of the... It's not afraid to be a little cheesy with a little bit of its dialogue here or there. You know, there's a couple mm-hmm. of moments. But uh, by and large, though, I, I, I found myself getting really into it. Um, and there's a moment actually in the third act that I was I was ready to be annoyed because I didn't remember how it ended at all. And there's a moment where I was like, "You can't be doing this. This is bad." And luckily it doesn't. But there's a moment where I really thought it was pulling something, and I was like, "Oh." Yeah, yeah, I was worried about that too. I was like, "Well, yeah. that's yeah. A, that's a shock." Yeah, it would have been a very weird direction to take the ending in. So, um, I'm glad. I'm glad it didn't. Uh, mm-hmm. So, all very good. Uh, but yes. I mean, you you like the, the tactile old school, like, computer buttons and, like, wires and, you know. Oh, yeah, yeah. I really like the design of the cyborg as well. Yeah, there's a lot of, like, pipes and metal parts and, you know, <laughs> like, it's the same thing we like about uh, the Borg or Tetsu or, mm-hmm. you know, that cyberpunk uh, horror kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah, definitely. There's some good... Um... I don't know if it's done with like stop motion or something of like wires moving and coming together on their seemingly on their yeah. own, but there is something, yeah, bringing it together. Uh, I I like all those shots and it's all done. Obviously, it's all practical and it looks really good. And obviously, it's talking about the future of uh, like you know, it's, you know, it's uh, American characters primarily, and it's the future of America. It's this no accident that you know before it comes alive, uh, Jill spray paints the uh, the helmet of the the robot and the american flag you know so so the once it's fully formed it's got you know, the stars and stripes on its head i don't think that's an accident that's a very intentional you know the country yeah. itself and the, the 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 body of the country is what's ultimately dooming the planet kind of idea so it's a very political movie <laughs> and it's kind of weird to say that because that's oh, just a killer robot movie but no there's a lot of politics in this <laughs> the thing that i found a bit frustrating is i didn't like any of the pov stuff um from the from the the cyborg um i I found it just hard to to watch you know some a lot of that just was i couldn't make anything out and it was a bit frustrating and they used it a lot or like the point of view shots from like the pervert looking through his um his telescope and stuff like that which has like because she has the curtains down so it's like infrared going through the curtain that he's looking at or something like that yeah it just doesn't uh, i don't know there's a lot of stuff on on the screen as well mm. it's, it's, I, I didn't enjoy those i just didn't like the way it looked i mean they they went for a thing and i think that they could have done a bit better i think they went for something to look kind of futuristic uh for the time period and also to obscure because like as much as there's a lot of implied nudity there's not an actual lot you know, like i think they were trying to avoid showing the naughty bits by having this like sort of distorted colors and stuff so you only get like a vague shape mm-hmm. uh which is fair enough like i can kind of respect that but um you know i think that's what they were going for with that I think so too. I just don't think that it works all that well. I th- I think you could have cleaned it up a little bit more to, I don't know, just make it easier to look at. Even uh, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I kind of like. I think it has a bit of a charm because it is kind of rough because it's like this you know movie from this time period with this low budget kind of look to it. But at the same time, I do also agree that it's like when it's intercutting a lot with the action stuff, especially when the, the you know the the actual stalking scenes are happening with the with the robot uh, it's mm-hmm. like yeah it makes it a little harder to kind of like f- the, f- the flow is a little bit interrupted um 
Uh, also, they do call it a cyborg in the movie, so which is why we've kind of said it a few times. But technically, this is not a cyborg; it's an yeah. android because a cyborg is uh, it needs to be mixed with some sort of living element. So a, a Terminator is a cyborg because it's got the living tissue over the the yeah. skeleton. Um, or, what about uh, what about our lead guy? What about Moses? He's got a cybernetic arm. Oh, that's true. That's true. I don't know if you. I don't know if one cybernetic part makes you a cyborg, or if you need to like have a quota. I I don't know either. Like, what's, yeah. is there like a threshold? Yeah, it looks like he's lost his arm or his hand in like you know battle or something. So he's got this. Yeah, this. It, it, it's very power glove looking. It's just like mm-hmm. yeah, this power glove so bad. Glove. <laughs> ah, yeah, a little bit of that. Um, but it's not doing anything I silly it though. So bad. <laughs> it's not doing anything silly though, and I do, I do like the little touch. Was in the shower, you can see that there's like little tubes that come from it into his arm. Uh, mm. I, I thought that was a nice little touch, but yeah, um, it's just this. I don't know. I guess it's setting up a part of the world that this is a thing that happens. You know, they've got cybernetic yeah, limbs it's and like, stuff. Um, maybe it's taking a little bit from Robocop. You know, you just mm. lose an arm and get a Nike arm. <laughs> yeah. I think there's definitely, there's a little bit of Mad Max, there's a little bit of Blade Runner, there's a lot of Terminator, there's a lot of uh, Alien. Demon Seed. <laughs> there's a little bit of Demon Seed. Uh, I'll give you that. Well, that's the thing, like, part of the thing that the movie does is that the, the robot, when it kills someone, may absorb, like, some of the people that it's taken. So, I don't think it's an accident that after the, well, I'm not going to get spoilers, but... Uh, I would basically say, I think there's some intentional parallels when the robot's stalking her uh, compared to the pervert who was, like, sort of spying on her before. I think there's some intentional kind of parallels between the two. Uh, mm-hmm. It's just that one is, you know, the, the the end goals are perhaps different and they've got different driving forces, but there's definitely this idea that if, if the perverts aren't, aren't going to come after her, it'll be the government that comes after her or it'll be the man that comes after her, you know? Like, there's this idea that she's a victim from multiple potential avenues, um, and that is not to say that she's this weak character. She's actually a very sort of tough, like, independent character who tries to keep to herself and ultimately is going to to, to fight back and stuff. Um, there's a lot of talk in the movie from her boyfriend that, you know, he wants to be there, and if he's not there, he wants Shades to keep an eye on her to keep her safe and protect her. But ultimately, the movie's kind of about how she didn't need no man. <laughs> she, she's going to fight herself. You say that, but she definitely does want him like to be around and she tells him specifically that she's upset that he went away and left her alone oh yeah when i say doesn't need no man i don't mean doesn't want like the 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 relationship and doesn't want the affection i I just mean doesn't need protection you know she's strong she's capable of doing that on her own but it's not that she doesn't want him as a partner you know yeah okay i mean it, it seems specific to, like, the moment, like, you left <laughs> when you shouldn't have left. Aye. Okay. <laughs> I'm not sure what your point is now, though, but okay, that's fine. <laughs> um, so, yeah, I, I guess we can, uh, we can get into, into spoilers and, uh, talk about everything that, that goes on. Uh, yeah, it's kind of interesting because the movie starts with uh, like this nomad character walking through the desert and it's just kind of like, you know, it's atmospheric and there's some music playing as the titles are coming up and he ultimately finds the, the robot in the sand. 
And uh, uh, one thing so interesting about it is that the opening titles are playing out in this open vista of desert, and it, it's giving you this wider world. And I think it's just funny that the rest of the movie takes place in one building, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, uh, there's a lot about build up, but once they get there early on, that's it. Like we're basically in there for the whole the whole movie. Um, but yeah, so we're introduced to to Moses and his friend Shades, who's picking him up. Uh, I guess he wants to surprise Jill that he's back. He's not, you know, he's not informed her he's coming. And there's a lot of talk of like, so you know, we get a lot of world building through these early conversations about how New York's a wasteland now, but there's a lot of stuff to steal there because a lot of people died with their valuables, whether that's valuables that are in their body or just around them. So mm-hmm. Shades is like, we should go to New York, we should pillage and get what we can and. But it seems Bing like stuff. Moses like has a job. He he's he's a military guy, right? Yeah, he's got some scrap with him to like you know sell to the the junk dealer. But he, yeah, yeah, he, that, that's we find out throughout the movie that he you know he's been in the military. He's been fighting in the zone, and uh, like this is him coming back from you know. And Jill's upset that he left in the first place, but you know she, she's got you know, obviously she's happy to see him. They end up having this long love scene where they start in the shower and then. We get the the music with the big beat playing as as they're in bed before we eventually cut to the pervert watching them across the street, which uh, is when it gets really spicy. It's very disturbing, yeah. <laughs> uh, but, yeah, so, you know. Uh, it sets up uh, this, this junk dealer who doesn't give him much money for it. This is where Moses takes the stuff from the nomad. He offers him some credits to, to take it. Um he sees what he can get for it from the junk dealer, but we can only get, like, half of what he paid, just paid for it. He's like, no, nah, I'll keep it. I'll just give it to the girlfriend. It's fine. She can have it for her art project. Uh, it's Christmas, after all. But the guy keeps the hand, though, one of the hands, so he can sort of, like, look into it and stuff, which, you know, comes up later, because he finds out it's a Mac 13 special thing. It's, like an, it's actually not an old robot. It's a relatively new thing, and maybe this one was just one that, you know, got destroyed recently in, in a battle or something. Uh, or, yeah, when we see when we first see it, it's buried in sand. Yeah, and, and like seemingly away from everything. Um, so, yeah, I was actually surprised that it was a new model when they when they yeah. brought that up because I, I thought it was something that was unearthed. I guess the implication <laughs> is that it's uh, this was like a test one. Like maybe they were mm-hmm. testing it out here in like a battle situation, and that's why the remains are there, kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Because at the end on the radio where uh, the DJ's like, oh, the, 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 the government are approving, like, you know, 3,000 you know, more of these. So there's going to be jobs. You can all go and get jobs at the factory building these murder bots. Uh, <laughs> which obviously is very cynical at the end because we've found out that their programming basically just makes it want to kill everything. They, they, they don't target the enemy necessarily. Mm-hmm. So it's like, oh, this is just going... and. There's a question if that's intentional or not, because there's a, a speculation from our main character that, like, this is just, like, you know, this is the word she uses, like, America's final solution to deal with overpopulation is just to send out these murder bots and, like, kill a lot of the poor people with, uh, with, with robots. Yeah, it's also a commentary on, like, uh, how, like the U.S. makes money every time it goes to war mm-hmm. because there is more jobs, there's more need for, uh, like everybody benefits when we go to war, right? Because there's all these jobs that are available since we need supplies and we need soldiers and everything else. Yeah, 
It's not like you can just give yourself another purpose to create a lot of industry. Like, I don't know. Something more useful. Renewable energy or yeah, something. Yeah, yeah. Some, something that would actually be long-term beneficial and never, <laughs> you know, would never not need it. <laughs> but whatever. Mm-hmm. You know, just the, the thought. Um, <laughs> but, uh... I think that's a really... Uh, I, I like those beats in the movie, though, that played with that, that idea. Um, is that, like... Like, yeah, this could be an accident, but maybe, like... Whether or not it was intentionally designed this way, or it's an accident, either way, they're like, ah, we don't care. We, we, we'll accept the collateral damage. The people are ultimately are... You know, we can, we can accept those losses. Uh, it's interesting. Uh, especially since, like... As they're talking about the future and how they're going to start policing, like how many kids people have, they're going to set a limit, and then like newer people. You so they, a little, uh, ZPG in this. Yeah, a little bit of the ZPG. Which plot. I think is also isn't that also a British film? I think so. Yeah. So maybe it was a bit more of an influence. Maybe. I don't know why the UK is so specifically worried about overpopulation. I mean, <laughs> compared to other places, it's not that overpopulated. That's just been on the minds. I guess uh, for whatever reason that's what people were thinking about but I, I like um, th- them talking about these these themes and ideas and, and, and bringing up this kind of desolate world because I think you know part of the, the plot of the movie is that much like a Terminator and Alien it's, it's very much about Jill gaining the strength to fight back and ultimately want to live and survive and like you know i'm going to live no matter what you know screw what this robot's trying to do screw what the government or the the country's trying to do to me i'm going to live and then cynically you hear on the radio oh we're going to make thousands of these things we're going to send them out like after she's just like fought this the idea that it keeps escalating no matter what and it's like okay you've learned to fight this thing now you have to do it on a regular basis well hopefully they've uh figured out that <laughs> the the vulnerability it has Oh yeah, well yeah. I mean, it's vulnerabilities. Well, hopefully that... not. Uh, actually. Yeah, hopefully not. Yes, <laughs> but uh, yes, this weakness is water. If it gets wet, it'll it'll break down. And classic. Yeah, but uh, yeah, we'll get to all that. We'll get to all that though. Because they were... so they have their big love scene where like she's happy he's back. He's getting because he's like he's filthy when he comes in. So like they end up in the shower and so we we get his like cyborg hand in the shower like caressing her and stuff. Uh, I think the camera's it looks a little silly. Yeah, the camera's like <laughs> following it down to cop a feel of her ass, uh, just as it fades away to the like the bedroom scene yeah. where they're just, you know, yeah, we get like a three inch butt crack scene. Yes, and then it cuts, and then it transitions to the neighbor across the street watching through his like telescope that's got like the funky effects on it, and he's just saying like really obscene things, um, running commentary you might call it, you know. Uh, take that dick, pump it. Uh, I can't even remember what else he said, but it was, it was all things of that nature. Uh, he was breathing very heavily. There was a lot of close-ups of his mouth, licking his lips and breathing, and um, mm-hmm. you know, probably an implication that there is some masturbating going on uh, down below. Yeah, definitely. So, and we also see like on his wall, he's got like shoes and artwork and stuff he's collected it seems to be implying that he's been watching her f- since she was a kid or he's had like other people i, I took it as other victims because i later on when he goes to see her and he mentions when he first met her i kind of i think i believe that's the first time he met her and that's when the obsession okay. started because like the shoes like kind of go in order of size so I'm like <laughs> is he just been taking her shoes like every few years or something <laughs> 
I mean, maybe. I mean, the big thing is though is like he's watching and he's seeing some of this stuff happen. And he sees like the first part of the robot attack, and he ends up going over to offer his assistance because he he knows at this point the boyfriend uh, Moses gets called away by the the junk dealer because the junk dealers realize what he has, and he's like, "Come, come and talk to me about this robot right now." Uh, and you know, it sets up that um, the the robot starting to come alive, and the hand that he's got kills him on its own, and like goes to join the rest of the 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 machine um but so that's what gets the boyfriend away so 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 moses comes over and like it turns out he like works for the security company who installs all these security systems that like lock these big like titanium doors that shut (laughs) and like all the computers that control i'm like yeah this is the guy you want installing and knowing how to access your security uh, details and and whatnot Uh, this is a great but there's so many little things in this guy's performance that he does where he goes to like you know touch her at various points or you'll step in and say something really close and he's like yeah you should get someone who's closer at home a neighbor maybe uh you know and just saying these like subtly disgusting things every so often mm-hmm. uh you're just waiting for him to get massacred by the time he does yeah i mean she's holding her own but you know she, she does like she feel like she's always in danger yeah, yeah, she she feels vulnerable here. Well, that's the thing. By the end of the movie, she feels much tougher. You know, by the time we get to the end of the movie, and she's whacking the robot with a baseball bat, uh, and you know, trying to outsmart it and draw it into a trap. It's like obviously things have changed a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. And I think that's that's part of the point of this scene is to show that she is somewhat vulnerable. But I think if this guy came over and talked to her at the end of the movie, I don't think the scene would play out the same way. I I, I think he would encounter a much tougher chick who's you know ready to just beat his head in with a bat uh mm-hmm. and protect herself i think that's part of the arc for her in the, in the movie um because i mean if anything i would say that her character in the movie starts off with hiding in her apartment and she's sort of locked up in a fortress almost that she of her own creation to save herself from the world and i think the the, the arc for her the movie is that by the end it's like no i don't have to hide from this world i have to live in it and try and if not help change it at least you know not let it make me live this way kind of thing so yeah, I mean the the danger for her is her isolation. Because she's, you know, trapped inside with a thing rather than trying to keep it out. Yeah, yeah. The the thing the very thing she thought was going to be safe, that's these big doors end up being our biggest like hindrance uh, as the movie goes on because the you know, would you believe it the robots like, you know, mess with the controls and uh <laughs> they only open from the outside and even then it's kind of 50 50 if they're going to open properly so the the hand that uh kills the um the guy in the beginning is is it trying to get back to the body does it get back to the body or is it does it just build a new hand I so- it, like if you separate the the parts do they all try to grow new robots out of each part <laughs> I mean, I assumed it was trying to get back to the, the main robot. I mean, I don't think it grows new parts. I think it just reassembles all the parts that are in the apartment together. Uh, mm. It maybe steals some cables and stuff from other things to do it, but I don't think it grows anything. Mm. Yeah, yeah. I, I just, it assembles from whatever is available, you know. Yeah, yeah. To she try uses... the, to the best of its ability to recreate itself. Yeah, it just uses parts and, like, you know, other electronics that are around to try and, like, you know, you know fill some gaps that are maybe missing from its own pieces i do like the design of the of the cyborg but that would have been cool too to like see like bits of television attached to its shoulder or something (laughs) things that we can like are easy to recognize you know like oh it took from the from the stereo (laughs) to make that piece 
Yeah, it's just once uh, Moses leaves, the, 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 obviously the robot does form and wake up and, you know, for, at first the skull wakes up and you see the eyes open and it's sort of like scanning and stuff and then all the parts start to, and that's where you get the stop motion with the wires all kind of like connecting and doing its stuff. So mm -hmm. yeah, it forms and uh, she's just lucky that she sits up at the exact moment where the robot like brings down its like saw blades <laughs> into the bed yeah uh so we get we get a lot of fun stuff uh with her it's, you know, it's a good shot though where it's just framed where she's in the center and then you could when she moves you could see the robot behind her yeah uh and you, you get a lot of like fun stuff with the powers out and she's sneaking around the apartment uh there's even a little bit of predator in this because she realizes that it uses infrared and mm -hmm. except although she doesn't cover herself in mud to hide from it she uh empties the fridge and sits in the fridge <laughs> genius good plan Good plan. Yeah, why not? So the robot's confused. Uh, but, yeah. It, it, yeah, it kills the shit out of the pervert uh, early on. Uh, as the movie's playing, it establishes some other characters. There's, like, two security guys in the building that are, like, playing chess. It, it just it establishes them because we have to have more bodies for later. <laughs> yeah. Uh, pretty much. Um, and once Moses finds the dead guy, who, you know, the, the junk dealer, he realizes the danger that she's in, and he calls Shades because he's closer to her to go and try and get her at the apartment. But he's on something. He's like, he's in La La Land. He, he, he's not aware of anything. He can barely put on his trousers. Uh, so. Did you think he was going to jump off, like, commit suicide, like jump off the ledge or something? Because he was talking about, like, how beautiful the, like, image of a butterfly was. He's like, yeah, man, I'll get there. <laughs> I thought he was going to leap over the ledge. Um, I don't, I don't remember thinking that, yeah, but I, I can see why you're saying it, though. Yeah. Um. Uh uh, but they, yeah, so he's he's trying to race back to the, the apartment, like, for a lot of the movie. So, you know, he's not actually on screen that much, but, the, for, you know, for the, the middle of the movie, and it really does become Jill's film. Like, she is the, the lead character. She's the one that's trying to survive. She's the one in Jeopardy. Uh, and all these scenes, you know, are, are pretty fun to watch for the most part. They're, they're you know, they have a kind of a, a low-budget charm to them when she's, like, running from the big robot that's kind of hulking over and, and chasing her and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But there's fun to be had. Uh, so, yeah. And there's also, there's a running thing that's kind of set up early on where there's, like, a downstairs neighbor who, like, bangs the ceiling when there's too much noise. Uh, and it happens early on when she's playing music. Or, no, it's when she's uh, cutting the sculpture and she's, like, using the saw blade. Uh, but later on when the robot's, like, uh, I think it's when the robot's killing the pervert. There's a lot of banging. Yeah. He's, like, slamming his yeah. head against the kiss the ground and, and it, it cuts down the, the woman downstairs and it's this i think it's subtitled but she's like oh, she's not even married it's just a little joke <laughs> uh which is it, i mean it says this this downstairs neighbor up because later on when jill goes through the window and falls into the the place we have some context for where she is and uh you know just it gives, gives you a sense that there's other type of people in this world. It's not just, like, these grifters who are, like, you know, building weird sculptures and salvaging things. There's, like, no, there's, like, a regular family downstairs. <laughs> Did you think it was odd that, like, okay, so, like, her and Moses had sex, and mm -hmm. then he's passed out, and she's like, I gotta, I gotta build some art right now. I just have to. And she's, like, sawing things and sanding metal and paint like airbrush painting and stuff like that and then it, it cuts to him like in the bed and he just like talks to her and she's right next to him like whoa she's doing all this stuff next to him live listening to like heavy metal music and stuff and he's just he must be real tired 
<laughs> he must be real tired. She tired of it. Although I think there's actually a little bit of a a read on this. If you, I mean, maybe I'm stretching here, but you know, she's very much the character who's very cynical and aware of what the world's becoming, and he's just kind of like willing to let it go on by. Like he, you know, when they talk about the the, the main themes of the movie, he's kind of like, oh no, I joined the military, I did this stuff. I just want to like be with you and kind of ignore the world. Has kind of his attitude. So the idea that he's asleep, well, she can't just be relaxed and has to like build something that represents what she thinks of the world. I think it might be just an indication that she's more aware and has opinions on what's going on, and he's been a bit more ignorant towards it and just try to get I, by. I just thought, man, this world must make you really damn tired because <laughs> I don't know how anyone could sleep through that. I agree. It's it's a bit silly that someone can sleep through a saw blade being used. I, like, I just I thought okay, she, she's in another room or something. She's there and it's in the same room. That's yeah. crazy. <laughs> but anyway, she built an altar. <laughs> Alright, that's what she puts the skull in. But I mean, I don't was even really mention it at this point. Really, I mean, I guess the fact that she builds this model, which is uh, this American helmet that she she makes out of the robot's head. Uh, in the middle of what's a lot of like melted like dolls which represent like i don't i, I would say that represents dead children you know effectively well yeah because he was also listening to the radio where they're talking about the population and how people are not going to be able to have any more children they'll get fined if they have kids mm-hmm. or they'll be they'll have forced sterilization stuff like that so yeah it's very clear what the symbolism is i think um yeah even even though he asked, what does it mean? And she's like, I don't know. Does it mean anything? I'm like, ah, no, I think it does. No, it definitely means something, yeah. <laughs> I'm definitely getting something from it. Uh, I also was hoping that that would be like a shoulder blade ornament on, on, on the robot. <laughs> <laughs> where's, the, where's dead baby dolls? <laughs> yeah. So there's a whole there's a whole section here where she's like fighting the robot and hiding in the fridge, and there's just a lot of action where she's on her own and she's trying to survive. But then when others start showing up and we get like uh, the two security guys, this is great stuff where the, so the the bigger security guy, and I say bigger, I just mean he's a bit chubbier. Uh, he ends up getting like trapped in the door, which is like slamming, opening and closed. So it's like, you know, two sliding metal doors and it, it gets trapped in. And it, when it hits him, he actually fires his gun that he's got out and shoots his partner, <laughs> like the other security guy. And yeah. I'm like, oh, that was a very. That was, that was surprising. Yeah. <laughs> it gave me a chuckle though it was kind of a funny death uh mm-hmm. um and then you know so you've got obviously moses jumps in and he tries to like help and uh fight the robot as well um and they have this big thing where uh in fact before it traps them actually like i think because they're all alive because when the doors first open they all shoot the robot they all shoot them. yeah yeah and they think and they've the won. robot's on fire and it's like got this like crucifixion pose yep yep <laughs> uh yeah. And it, it goes out the window, ultimately, and they think, oh, we've won, it's went out, oh, it's over, it's all over. Uh, but of course, it, it's actually hanging on under the ledge, under the window, and pulls out Jill, like, a couple of minutes later. Because this is right after she says, like, you know, the hell with this world, I want to live. Like, you know, she's mm-hmm. making her, her statement clear. I am going to live, and this world's not going to hold me down. So there's kind of, there's kind of like, a, a, a hopeful element to that in the middle of all this, like, oh, the world's really depressing and shit, and everything's going getting worse, like, there's no hope in sight. Like, there is kind of, like, a strength element to it where she's like, no, I'm going to live regardless, yeah. damn it. And then death. <laughs> well, I... I <laughs> so I thought. Yeah, yeah. I, I genuinely thought she died, and we were going to do the climax of the movie where now Moses is the hero avenging her death, and I'm like, that's kind of shit if this is where it's going, because you just fridge the character who felt like the main character for the 
lackluster male lead in the movie. Are you shitting me? But luckily, that's not yeah. the case. Luckily, that's not actually where it goes. She does wake up downstairs uh, and, like, fights her way back up to ultimately... Like, she's the one who takes on the robot and, and wins kind of thing. Although Shades actually helps. Shades actually ends up in the other survivor. <laughs> yeah, he's sobered up a little by now. Yeah. Because um, there's this thing where... So one of the things we've not mentioned yet is that uh, part of the, the robot's arsenal... Uh, his main method of killing other than the saw blades and stuff is to like inject he's got like needles that he can pop out of his fingers yeah he's got like Borg injections and that injection uh, it's lethal but it it does this like almost cruel thing where it puts you into like a dreamlike state where you actually enjoy dying because you see something you like and this happens to Moses where the robot injects him and he basically imagines a situation where he's promising to Jill that he's not going away again. He's going to stay, and they're going to make it work, and they're going to be together. And then, you know, that's him dying, and he dies. And that's kind of the cynical thing of, like, you know, the country promising you, oh, you can achieve the American dream, you can do all these things, but you'll, you'll probably fail, and you'll have a miserable life kind of thing. Uh, but he still, like, cuts himself open. Like, he's he's trying to, like, bleed out for a different kind of death still. So I think, like, a part of him knows... Yeah what's happening because he he knows because uh, the the little person is the one who re- who made a recording and yeah i was able to play it for him but um yeah so he he, he knows that he's been injected with this thing that's going to kill him yeah so he's trying to like bleed out instead which maybe is like the end of his arc that even in this moment of death like jill's made him aware of the world and he like on some level like understands this is fake and it's not real and he wants a real death kind of thing. You know, you could... He, yeah, because he'll look down in his arm, and he is hallucinating, but he's seeing, like, bugs and stuff crawl out of his wounds and stuff like that. Yeah. So it's not it's not all, you know, rainbows and unicorns. But, you know, I like that idea that he's, like, learned like he's learned the value of, like, uh, like the truth, effectively. He doesn't want to die in the lie of, like, the, what, what the, the robot's giving him, which represents, you know, the, the system or the country or the government or whatever you want to call it. So mm-hmm. this idea that he's like, no, I'm not accepting the lie that you're giving me. I want to, like, you know, die on my own terms kind of thing. Yeah, he cuts his wrist and he even, like, starts to suck the blood out. Yeah. Uh, what well, happened faster. And you could also argue as well that maybe he's even trying to, like, maybe he thinks that he can suck out the, <laughs> like, the poison, if you will. Yeah, I don't think he would do it on the wrist then, though. Nah. But, yeah. What I, uh, what I dig about this, though, so there's this thing that it does where because he was part cyborg, because he had the cyborg hand, the robot kind of, like, takes in some of his, like, knowledge and personality. So when she's fighting the final battle, before they, she goes to the bathroom to, like, you know, lure it into the shower, uh, like, it's, like, talking to her and using, like, uh, sound bites of his voice, saying that he loves her, uh, almost like the robot saying it, or... Or arguably, really, what it's trying to do is try and, like, without injecting or try to, like, give her the the fake dream ending and saying, "Hey, like, here's your boyfriend. He loves you, and like, you can have this happiness, you know, kind of thing." Um, or, or you could interpret it. Or this is actually what it reminded me a lot of the pervert, actually, like the, the uh, like trying to, uh, like, c- kind of lure her in under this like false pretense and like was coming towards her like i couldn't help but compare well, you, the two you hear the pervert's voice come through also oh do you he's uh, just singing the song that he was singing earlier yes so i guess he's just able to mimic what he's heard i guess so yeah i, I assumed it's because he had the cyborg hand but yeah maybe you're right maybe he just mimics everything that uh that he hears but he doesn't know that he's actually giving her 
clues on how to defeat <laughs> the cyborg. Yeah, yeah, because uh, he was trying to tell her about the rain, which was the the hint that uh, water would... Uh... Uh, well, actually, I think that's why I, I took it as, like, there's part of the boyfriend in there, because I felt like maybe the, like the, whatever was left of the boyfriend from the cyborg hand was intentionally trying to give the hints, like, was trying to play parts that would tell her how to defeat it. Mm-hmm. Well, maybe I'm reading I too much it, into well, it. It's what, yeah, I mean, it's also just what the robot was there, because he kept talking about his dream to uh, the cyborg when it was, when he was dying, because he was having that hallucination also. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, yeah, maybe that was just an intentional thing on his part, so that maybe the information would somehow, like, pass on to her or whatever. Yeah, I mean, I, I sort of interpreted it as just accidental, but, um, you know, it just, in a way, he has helped her. Yeah. Even if not, neither of them realized it. Yeah, so, yeah, so he lures her to the shower, uh, and, uh, Turn, you know, turns on the shower it actually seems really straightforward and simple once she finally but obviously she never thought of that right she's just you know uh they, they try fire which you know doesn't do a whole lot to a robot <laughs> as, as you imagine yeah he's like cast iron on the outside that said though, he's got a lot of exposed cables it could melt and burn through the cables so yeah. you know but then he'll just make more he will he'll just reform it's kind of designed to like reform there's, there's some stuff earlier on but when the uh junk dealer guy's looking it up it's like oh it can basically repower itself from like any as long as the sun's out it can like okay it's got power now so that's maybe why like it being buried in the sand was like how it was staying dead for so long it's like okay mm-hmm. it, it was covered up uh but yeah so I don't know. like the ending's fun uh and then like the that one good song from earlier starts kicking in again and you hear that uh, they're going to mass produce these things and it's this like super cynical like <laughs> oh no this is a, this really is a, a cyberpunk dystopia where we're all screwed yeah. well it's a british film you know those europeans <laughs> they're so cynical they always have to have the downer endings uh you know it's kind of interesting actually when you think about it that this is technically a british movie but it is like all of it is taking shots at like america as the villain that is propelling us through <laughs> like this this the horrible oh, yeah. future <laughs> Yeah. Hey, the British made us. Okay. <laughs> that is, that's an interesting little, uh, interesting little detail. Um, no, it is. I mean, it's not the most uncommon thing anyway. I mean, oh, even, actually, even uh, the, the day the Earth caught fire is also a little bit like these larger powers are doing yeah. all this stuff in the background that's causing us to, you know, larger powers being America and Russia or uh, the Soviet Union. We should point out here that the director is not British. Uh, nor American for that matter. He's South African, I think. So, like, that's just a, he's a complete third party to all this. So, um, it's, it's not specifically like, uh, like some sort of weird, like, British film agenda to, like, shit on the US. Um, the rest of the world is unified in doing that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, but no, I think it's, 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 I don't think it's so much an anti American thing as it's just, because America is the the superpower that kind of leads everyone forward, they're naturally the ones that are going to be guilty of like whatever bad things happen in the future. Yeah, yeah. So shit rolls downhill, as they say. Yes, yes. <laughs> uh, yeah, no. Uh, I have fun with the robot fight and stuff. Uh, I think my favorite part is just the world and how it looks and feels. Um, yeah, I mean, honestly, some of the shots are just so beautiful too. Just the way they're composed, it's good directing. Yeah. There's just a lot of oh, atmosphere. I've heard, I've heard the director is a bit problematic, but I, I don't know. 
Yeah, unfortunately, I know the story. Unfortunately, he was accused of some stuff recently. I can't remember exactly what it was, what it was of. I think it was more. I want to say it was leaning more towards harassment and improper, like uh, conduct. Improper mm-hmm. conduct, and I think I think. I don't know. I don't want to say it exactly. I don't think okay. it was. Mm-hmm. I, I don't think it was quite in the same. St- like, I don't think it was the same genre exactly as Weinstein. I think it was more, uh, like mental abuse in terms of like being, like oh, a terrible boss, a Kubrick or something, <laughs> or something. I don't know. But again, I'm, I'm, this is vague memory. I don't remember exactly. Uh, okay, okay. Yeah. I, I remember being excited that he was directing a movie because he did color it a shape. Uh, with Nicolas Cage. And I remember being excited that he was coming, because he hadn't done movies in a long-ass time. And then it was this kind of... Color of Space? Color of Space. What did I say? Shape. Okay, Color of Space, yes. You know what movie I'm talking about. Uh, But I was... I've heard of it. But I was really excited that he was coming back to movies. And then, yeah, this sort of negative side of the news came out after that movie had been out. And it was like, oh, that's a shame, because that's... I mean, it's a shame that this obviously happened to anyone, but then it's also a shame that this is probably the last movie he's now going to make because of it as well. So, mm-hmm. and that's a bit selfish. Uh, I admit that, but, you know, it's kind of like, I waited so long and then, <laughs> then that's it, it's dead. Well, like I that. mean, every time I love a director, there's there's always a new director I love on the on the rise. Oh, so. sure, just, yeah. Just right around the corner, you know, we'll get someone with a unique vision. But yeah, my, my looking forward to that movie was based purely on just remembering, liking how this one felt. And, mm-hmm. I think that's its biggest asset is how it feels. Because, uh, yeah, it's recycling a lot of plot elements from other things. Obviously... That's okay, though. It's saying a lot of its own specific things about the world and about where we're heading. But, you know, you know, the, the killer robot, the type of setting, like, the, none of them are new, but it's just very... just well executed with its, its small budget. Um, and there's a couple of distracting things, like Lemmy's the taxi driver early on and uh, puts on Motorhead. Uh... Yeah, I could I could do without that, but whatever. At least it's not a big deal. It's only you know ten seconds. Well, at least you didn't watch it knowing that you almost had Bill Paxton and Jeffrey Combs. Look, I know that would have made it a better movie. I absolutely know it would have made it a better oh, movie. I, yeah, the whole but... movie I was just like, how would Bill Paxton have done this? <laughs> Amazing. That's he doesn't even the good dialogue. You just have Bill Paxton delivering the lines, and they're just more comforting. Yeah. Yeah. My God, he was the best. Dylan McDermott instead of Bill Paxton. What a, what a sad downgrade. <laughs> I feel like I'm really shitting on Dylan McDermott here, but come on, Bill I mean, Paxton. He's fine, I guess. I don't really know him from anything. I think maybe rom-coms and TV, right? Oh, I, I think I know him from like one other thing, maybe. And I couldn't tell you what it is off the top of my head. Uh, oh, he's in the Olympus Has Fallen movie. <laughs> maybe I saw him in that. Yeah, I don't know. And the other guy, I don't know who he is, but he could have been Jeffrey Combs. We could have watched Jeffrey Combs. Hi. <laughs> Wearing sunglasses. Yeah, yeah, yes. I mean, what could have been? Uh, but this was just one of these weird little finds that I had. I think I, think I found the Blu-ray, uh, you know, in like 2010 or thereabouts. And was just like, oh, what's this little movie? And it was like, oh, this is kind of cool. It's just kind of a neat little film. And I didn't remember a lot of it. I remembered kind of how it felt and the look of the robot, but uh, I'm glad to say that it kind of still works. It's a very brisk 90-minute movie. It doesn't overstay its welcome. Um, yeah. So. Pretty yeah. good. Pretty, pretty, pretty good. 
Yeah. And I wouldn't say it's super deep. I think it's got a lot of themes and it's it's doing a lot of political stuff, uh, you know, and it's using its setting to say a lot about yeah. the world. But I wouldn't say it's like super deep in the way that I don't think we can sit and analyze it in the same way that we would, you know. Well, uh, like I said earlier, I think there's a lot of biblical stuff going on here too. There's definitely resurrections involved. I mean, the mm-hmm. our, our guy's name is Moses. Um, That's who true. also dies, you know, believing in a dream in the promised land and all that um, desert yeah. imagery and Jill. I mean, doesn't actually come back to life, but you know, to the audience, she does because she looks dead and then turns out to still be alive. So that's kind of it's not a literal resurrection, but in the terms of us watching the movie, it's like she dies and comes back to life. It is very much, yeah. I think, supposed to represent that. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so i mean it could just be a play whoa. on that and even like america's love of the bible and the yeah. love of hold christianity on hold on a sec who does shades represent in the biblical sense the holy spirit <laughs> <laughs> uh, sure yeah why not um yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean even moses is like an old testament thing where it's, you know jesus is new testament so Mm. Uh, I, I, I don't know either. Uh, but, uh, there you go. That's uh, that's hardware. Uh, fun little movie. Don't accept like like an amazing thing, but I think if you like the the visual style of it and you're cool with kind of just a an nice little low budget robot attacks movie, uh, there's there's fun to be had. There's enough style here that I am quite into it. Uh, but you know, it doesn't reinvent the wheel or anything like that. So you know, mm-hmm. but um. There you go. All right. Uh, what are you rating the movie then? I think I'll give it a seven. I do really like the film, and I like a lot of there's there's some stuff in it that that, that genuinely did impress me. Um, and but there's some stuff that I did find pretty jarring, and I I didn't enjoy in the movie. So, but I'm still very positive, and I think I, I would rec- recommend it. So I'm gonna go with a seven. Yeah, I think that's fair. Uh, I think I would maybe... I think I'll nudge it slightly and say 7.5. And I think, you know, I agree generally that that's where it sits. And uh, I think just the style and the feel of the world just appeals to my sci-fi taste so much that I'm just kind of into it. I'm glad that there's a little movie like this. I, I wish there was more cyberpunk movies. I really do. Uh, like. Yeah, I mean, the problem is now that, you know, technology is so sleek looking that to make something really cyberpunk is is harder <laughs> you know yeah i mean it's logic still be sleeking it's still cyberpunk but i agree the aesthetic of this is something i do want more of like i want that it's an retro old future, future now though yeah it's, it's it's harder to pull off unless you're making something you know specifically of this time period or of a, i don't know you'd have to change things up a bit but i do miss it also yeah, I'll, I'll take more. If they want to do something at some point where we get a nice big budget that chooses this aesthetic, I would love it. But, uh, yeah. Uh, also, just a little thing. I noticed here, like, a face. I'm like, he seems familiar. Uh, so the newscaster, who's on what, like, one of the news programs in this, because we don't even talk about a lot of the different weird ads and stuff and, like, the weird music videos that we're playing at times because the TV's on quite a lot in this and it intercuts when they're having sex or whatever. But Yeah, it's, it's around the, I guess it's around the time of TV so it oh, for sure, a lot yeah. of like th- this is the future kids love watching music <laughs> yes uh but uh the newscaster in one of the scenes uh is the same actor who plays the flying cop at mcdonald's and fifth element which we just did i thought that was a lot of coincidence oh, how about that yeah so there you go 
he's also in the original Batman movie, playing a goon, <laughs> apparently. So yeah, uh, I don't know, it's, not, it's not a little coincidence, because we just did that. But I mean, we're doing lots of movies from the 90s, it makes sense that we'll, you know, encounter some, some faces, yeah. similar actors in some of them. Uh, but there you go, that's hardware. Let us know what you think of the movie, if you've seen it. Uh, what are we doing next time, you might ask? It's a great question. Um, it's written down somewhere. Oh, I know what it is. It's Deep Rising. We're doing Deep Rising. Which one's that? Uh, it's like a... So it's a monster movie on a boat, and like... Ooh. Uh, it's Stephen Summers who went on to direct The Mummy. Uh, okay, well that's a good uh, adventure film. So yeah, it's, it's more of like a light adventure sci-fi horror, but it's... Uh, um, I, I thought it would be a, a fun one to, to wrap up this current 90s season. Obviously there's a bunch of 90s sci-fi movies we haven't done, and that that just means there's a season two somewhere of, uh, of 90s movies. That's fine. Um... <laughs> You know, what, what I really noticed actually is how many 97 movies we did. We did like three in a row. Uh, I told you 97 was a big year for sci-fi. No, you said good year and you didn't like all the movies we did from 97. Well, no, but like it's still a pretty good year for sci-fi. Any year that we get that many science fiction movies is sure. a good year. Yeah, 2009 always springs to mind uh, with that. Yeah. There's a lot in 2009. Avatar, Star Trek, District 9. Moon. Moon. Yeah, there's a lot. That's a good one. But hey, um, yeah. So of course, uh, you can uh, check out uh, you know the other shows that we offer. Our male fuzz movies. We have the collector's cut, which is new. Me and David are working through the Dirty Harry films right now. So go check out that. And screams after midnight with me and Tim doing the horror movies. Uh, we just did a, a big epic review on Terrifier two, which was like two hours long. <laughs> Ooh. So, you know, have a look at that. Uh, but of course, you can support all the content uh, by hitting the super thanks button below or going over to patreon.com slash TV and getting some bonuses for your trouble. What are the main two bonus shows they get if they sub, Tara? Why, that's right, Peter. If you guys enjoy our reviews, then good news on Patreon. We have even more. You can get um, our reviews for our more like B-movie categories of films that don't really make the cut like the tremor sequels which we've now done all of them so <laughs> check out the burt gummer adventure saga over there for the love and of god please please promote the newest one please <laughs> the lawnmower man lawnmower man jesus we did it like last week look, look, if you don't like me doing this i'll gladly stop <laughs> no no i i i i i you, you i want you to do it and i want you to be good at it i believe in you 110 percent we've been doing this like three years i'm not gonna get good at it 110 i'm just gonna be fine at it okay <laughs> the other thing we do which is really exciting is that we just kind of hang out and film it and talk about movies that we've watched that aren't sci-fi but you know it's a bit better. We do uh, fun little quizzes that we've prepared for each other that are sci-fi related. So, you know. And those two test things. Your skills. Yes, and those two last things you said are in a show. Yep, it's called, called the Atomic Meltdown <laughs> movie show. <laughs> Here's a little preview because Peter's having a meltdown right now. <laughs> <laughs> Oh dear! But yes, you can go just like go to Patreon, read read what's in the tears. They'll hopefully clarify some of the points Tara just made. <laughs> <laughs>
Yes. And there's more stuff, not just with the our sci-fi stuff, yes. but like other people's stuff. So there's there's plenty of things over on Patreon. Yeah. And if you want to hear us talk about a couple of TV shows over on Mailfuzz TV, you can check us out uh, doing classic Twilight Zone, doing new and classic Quantum Leap, uh, and also Babylon 5, which, uh, yeah. So. so much stuff. So much stuff. <laughs> well, B5 is almost done. Uh, and we're we're only doing classic quantum leap when the new quantum leap's on break, which is is just now. So we just started the new quantum leap. Yeah, rather the old Ooh. quantum leap, I should say. But anyway, that's the show. Thank you very much for joining us, everyone. We appreciate it. Uh, of course, you can support us for just liking, subscribing, dying the bell for notifications, rating us five stars on iTunes or wherever you get your podcast from. All those things help. And I'll finally just thank our Patreon producers for the month. So thank you to Tyler Hess, Cindy Palacios, David Sharp, Bordenow, Christopher Moy, David Brown, Al Treisman, and Alison M. Fordyce. Thank you very much to everyone and all of our patrons for keeping the show afloat. Thank you kindly. This has been the Atomic Cinema Experiment. We've been talking about hardware. <laughs> for the patrons. <laughs> oh, the audio podcast people have no idea what just happened, but you don't want to know. It's okay. Um, keep watching the science fiction movies, guys. We'll see you next time in Computer and Salsa.